you're tuned in with In the Blind Combat Waterfowl, the podcast. Thank you for listening. What is up? Welcome back to In the Blind with Combat Waterfowl. I'm your host, Andrew Beck, joined with my other two co-hosts, Robert Brewer and Dylan. What up? What up? What up? How we doing today, fellas? Motivated. I'm motivated. Hell yeah. Let's get straight to it. Actually, scratch that. I want to say thank you to everyone for the feedback on last week's episode. Um, it, we got really vulnerable, and I thought it turned out beautiful. I just want to say a big shout-out, and thank you for the feedback. We really appreciate it. No doubt. Yeah, hey, I right. missed that one, but y'all, y'all killed it. So We do hate we missed you, Dylan. He jabbed a couple times at you, I'm sure you heard. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right, straight to it, getting into this week's episode. Um we're going to talk about the effects of social media and the stigma that goes along with it inside the waterfowl community. Yeah, this. Uh, so <clears throat> I'll, I'll I'll admit that I kind of I kind of asked for this topic to come up, and only really because I just recently was on uh, the Goose Gossip podcast, and this kind of topic came up there, and through that conversation, you know, it, it just. It, there was so much more that that I really wanted to say uh, that that really I didn't get the opportunity to. And I know between the three of us, we can kind of take that topic and run uh, and spin off of it. And I, and I think we, you know, we each have a completely different, I guess, presence, you know, um, and, and as far as our views on on social media. Um, Dylan from the commercial side on, on the guiding side, you know, Andy is an Instagram story wizard. Um, you know, that dude is, is a pro at creating, like he creates all the little thumbnails and stuff that, that we use for the podcast and stuff like that. And then, um, obviously I, I handle all the social media stuff for combat waterfowl. So I think that we can, uh, we can really dig into social media as a whole and, and the different platforms that, um, that exists out there, <clears throat> but my personal view on it all, like if I, if I look from, from a, a personal side and, and a business side from a personal side, I hate social media from a business side, we wouldn't exist without it. This business would not exist without it. And so to me, for me, it's a necessary evil. Um, but I, I, for one, don't exactly like what it's done to the sport. Just me. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I have a different outlook in it. I like what it's done for the sport. Um, right. they, I, I think there's a lot of negativity that goes on in the social media world revolving waterfowl hunting. And then I look at good things. And I think there's a ton of good things that outweigh negative things. I think the sport has grown immensely just solely based upon social media. Like for one, it's the most cinematic hunting that is possible. I, I don't care what anyone says. It, like a lot of people like say big game hunting is cinematic and I don't really get into cinematic big game hunting. It just, it's not my thing. It's slow. It's, you know, it's not very action packed. There's 30 seconds worth of action. I feel like, but I'm not that big into big game hunting. Um, but what you can create and play with on lighting, uh, ASMRs, um, 
just the whole, really the whole uh, aspect of cinema, cinema within, you know, waterfowl hunting. I think that that's a, a big game. What I don't like is what I see in the written social media. It's, it's always seems negative. And I think that that light overshadows the good out there. See, Doug, you mentioned that, that you felt like social media was increasing hunters, but duck stamp sales overall like that. So to me, I, I see it. I'm not saying that social media is the cause of that by any means. All I'm saying is that I think that social media paints this sport to be something that it isn't. It is made, you know, and this all started before I think social media really did it. You had like duck dynasty being aired on a and E, which was a national, uh, national channel. You know, this, this went out to every household that had a cable TV and that's something that never really, this wasn't on the outdoor channel. This wasn't on anything like that. This is showing the day-to-day lives of a family that was, you know, ingrained in waterfowl and what it, in my opinion, opened the door to was a lot of people that went and grabbed a bag of decoys and hit the road, which is not exactly the worst thing in the world because everybody has to start somewhere. And I recognize that and understand that, but I think it took a lot of the mentorship away from the sport and how people find the sport, you know, whether, you know, it, it came from, you know, the DU green wing stuff that used to used to be pretty big or, you know, Delta waterfowl is pretty involved in a lot of youth stuff or several different guys and outfitters are, you know, really big into providing youth day hunts and things like that. And I think it took some of, it took some of that away. Maybe it didn't eliminate it, but it, it started this, Hey, everybody go grab a six pack of, of mallard ducks and run to the swamp and, and let's just go duck hunting. Okay. And, so, so let's, let's talk about this real quick. I went and really quickly went and pulled up the, the federal duck stamp sales. No doubt. Because uh, <laughs> I, I was, I was genuinely curious because I was like, well, I mean, so we'll go back and we'll start at uh, 2014. So I, I would consider that really the social media boom. 1.7 million duck stamp sales. 2015, 2016, 1.6. 2016, 2017, 1.6. And these are relative numbers. We're not dead on. Um, 2017 to 2018, 1.5. 2018, 2019, 1.5. 2019 to 2020, 1.4. 2020 to 2021, 1.6. Yeah, more people were at home, though. Overall, though, if you look, you had from – when people were normal society, like prior to COVID – duck stamp sales are are doing this people are stuck at home and they went back up a little bit but i i think you'll find they still didn't reach the number that they were in 2014 1.7 yeah so i don't know now you're only talking a hundred thousand duck stamp sales difference there 1.6 to 1.7 you're talking a hundred thousand difference which isn't a huge deal necessarily but it does show that it is declining, I think. And also duck stamp sales really don't, it is a way to track it, but at the end of the day, there are people that buy duck stamps that don't hunt. They exactly. Buy yeah. Or buy extra for the collection. Yes, exactly. 
Um, so I don't know. Either way, the social media aspect of it, I think you have people who have come into the sport that that project the sport on social media, maybe for the wrong reasons or disingenuine about the the persona that that they portray on social media. And these are, you know, I'm not going to sit here and name drop people. You can look around and pretty easily identify creators that are in the waterfowl space that are real and creators that are in the waterfowl space that are not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just hate the stigma, the stigma in general of, um, you know, the social media, like it's whether it's waterfowl or the big game or fishing, if, you know, everybody says, you know, if it's not on Instagram or Snapchat, it, you know, didn't happen, but man, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think all of them need to go up there. Um, and then, you know, at the other side, you have people, you know, just getting started and hunting that are, they're not killing piles of ducks they are killing one or two. And then they're getting batched for posting, you know, one or two ducks instead of limits, basically. I think that ties back into what Andy was saying about it being largely negative though. Yeah. You know, it, when you social media creates a space where it's okay to hide behind a keyboard. I mean, if we're, if we're being honest and you know, it, you can think about, you can go look at TikTok to me is, is, one of the platforms that I probably focus on the most with the business. And, you know, you can kind of look around on TikTok and I, you know, you can't really take waterfowl hunting specifically to TikTok, but what you can do is you can, you can showcase other aspects of the sport and you can look at some of those same creators that have TikTok accounts. And you like, when you look through TikTok, just in general, you people comment stuff that, you know what I mean? Like it's so easy. You, I mean, your username has nothing to do with you as a person. It yeah. doesn't have to, if you don't want it to, you know what I mean? Um, and it's just so easy to create an environment where there are far more negatives and positives. And I, and I think that social media has created this space and that, that ties back into right back into last week's episode on mental health, you know? Um, so in the last, 10, 15 years, this whole cyber bullying thing. And I'm not going, I'm not sitting here saying that you know, I'm not saying anything else about that. I'm just saying it creates an opportunity for maybe some, some people out there to become more offended um, and maybe create some mental health issues. Um, and I think that's especially true for, um, for younger people, you know, who are more impressionable, who take things more to heart and who want, I guess maybe they haven't reached that point in their lives where they just don't care what other people think. So I, I, I want to pose a question to you guys. Um, and this is strictly speaking more or less on TikTok, Instagram, um, which are, are really the avenues that I, I or the the platforms that I prefer. Um, do you think Instagram and TikTok are killing creativity? No, I think they're driving it. Do, okay. If so, I'm being honest. So, and I, I can, I can understand that to a point, but if I sit there and scroll TikTok for 30 minutes and of that 30 minutes, 12 minutes are people doing the same exact thing, right? Like you're doing the same trend, you're doing the same dance, you're doing whatever. Like, 
it's a it's a platform that really truly should be designed to showcase your uniqueness as well as your creativity. Okay, I think we're looking at this from two different things because you're talking about a trend and then you're talking about if you're talking about does it spawn creativity? For me, it does because I look at other creators in the waterfowl space and other cinematographers and videographers and I pick up on things that they're doing and I'm like, oh, I'd like to do that, but I'd like to do that just a little bit differently. And I'd really like to try or it pushes me to like do independent research, you know, into my own transitions for my editing and, and all that stuff. It pushes me when people around you get better. You've got to get you've got to get better. And it drives you to to dig harder, do do more. I think, you know, even if you're looking at those dances, I mean, it's in a way, you know, they kind of take that to an individual aspect. And, you know, um, maybe somebody does a little better, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put I, it. I, <laughs> you know, whatever. I, good way so to put that's, it. I, I like that outlook on it. What I guess what I'm saying is, is that, um, are, and I look at it more or less, that's kind of on a commercial side because that's a, a competition based thing, right? But if you're just Joe Smo, you know, making a video, it, it's almost like I saw this, I'm going to do it again. And now I'm the 1.7 billion person on TikTok to do it. Like, you know, you know, that uh, algorithm pushes the longer you watch a particular song. Yeah, I know that song. So you, <laughs> you're going to see somebody doing the same dance same over thing and over and over and over again. Right. But there are other people doing other dances, too. But that's what I'm saying. Like uh, yeah. it, it could it could be an algorithm based thing as well. Like it maybe I should stop watching certain videos so long. Yeah. <laughs> Stay off certain sounds. <laughs> Honestly, I prefer sounds more than anything else on TikTok. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I just got grilled over here. I didn't say nothing, bro. <laughs> Stupid. I just I just enlightened you about the algorithm. If you're watching, you know, a particular sound about, you know, whatever, uh, then the longer that you stay on that sound, the more of that sound you're going to see. You know, my money don't wiggle, wiggle, it folds. You know, you're going to see that like 15,000 times. That's true. That is true. So what do you guys think is the best platform for the waterfowl community? Instagram, hands down. I would say Instagram. I think they all have their niche, but I would I would also have to say Instagram. You can showcase the only reason that I would say TikTok. I would say TikTok because you can there is no there is no logic or methodology behind being successful on Instagram. There just isn't. There used to be, there isn't now. There is logic to being successful on TikTok. The problem with TikTok is, is that their guidelines don't allow you as a waterfowl creator to showcase the sport in its entirety. And that's why I say Instagram. I would agree. I think Instagram is probably the best platform only because you can utilize reels, posts, stories in a way that can, you can create a story with them, um, a complete story instead of, you know, I, granted we're up to what? 15 minutes on a TikTok video now you can do. Yeah, but nobody's doing I mean, realistically, nobody's doing somebody's it. attention for that period. So the other thing is Instagram is going away from 
photos. It, it used to be like a very photo driven app, pretty much a solely photo driven app. Mm-hmm. Um, now Instagram has, if you look at a lot of creators posts and, and to include ours, you know, um, there used to be two, three, four times the amount of likes on an image, whereas video wouldn't get hardly any attention. Now that has completely reversed. And if you ain't on reels, you ain't on shit. Yeah. And you know, YouTube is the same way. YouTube has realized the attention span of the average social media consumer has shortened so much so that a lot of their creators have lost view time from a lot of categories and they have created their own version of Instagram's reels and TikToks. The writing's on the wall, man. I mean, you have, you know, a 15 to 30 second video is going to be 10 times more successful in most cases than a three to five minute video. I would agree with that, but I also think that has to do with quality. Like most people aren't shooting, you know, in a, a DSLR. Um, the average person, you know, if we're talking at a commercial level, uh, obviously, yeah, most people are shooting in that. But from the average level, most people are point and click with their iPhone 37 or whatever it is now. <laughs> I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with an iPhone. I, I think in the hands, I mean, there are people that film full movies on an iPhone, you know, in the hands I, of somebody it, who knows what they're doing. I, I was about to say, in the right hands, yes. Like, it can, it can turn out well. There's aperture adjustment. Now on the new ones, there's, you know, cinematography mode. There's all kinds of, you know, stuff you can do with an iPhone. Um, that's It just doesn't, you don't get the depth of field and you don't get the full picture like you do on a camera, which kind of drives me into something I wanted to talk about. You know, I think the harder that you push yourself, you know, at least for the business, right? Let's just talk about myself. Let me not make a generalized statement. There are a lot of brands out there that, you know, do a lot of hiring out for all their content creation. And there are a few brands out there that, really push themselves to create their own content. And I respect the hell out of a brand that creates their own content. And it's something that I'm super proud that we do. You know, like the people that you see in our videos are our people. Like they're our friends, you know, they're us. It's not somebody who's being paid, you know, X amount of dollars to wear our stuff. It's people that are connected to us in one way or another, whether it's, you know, friends on Facebook or whether it's us ourselves or some, something, it's us. And we are the ones that are out there with a camera in our hand, creating that content or being a part of it or whatever. And there's something to be said for that. And it allows us, in my opinion, to showcase who we really are to our audience. You know, Captain Lou is a great example of, of all of this, right? That dude is that same dude sitting around this campfire around this table or, you know, at a restaurant as he is in every bit of content that, that we shoot. I mean, 100 on that for sure. I mean, and I think he is a good example. And I guess that, that kind of like, I, I, you can, I, I don't know how to say it other than I feel like I can sense when somebody's content is genuine, like, is this something staged or is it because most things that we 
uh, shoot are in real time. Like it's one person picks up the camera and they just so happen to catch that moment. Like, it's not like we're not, you know, very rarely are we setting up something where it's, unless it's a product showcase, but if it's just like a, a video of us, it's just all on the whim. You know what I mean? And we, yeah. we hope we get something good. Which we used to be too. Yeah, I think those are the best is the, the unexpected videos, the, the ones from you know, in the blinder or whatever that aren't staged. Yeah. I just think that you have to, like, you have to showcase, you have to showcase something real. Like it has to be something genuine. And, and I think I even said it on, um, on that other podcast, man, I was like, you know, you can post a, a picture of a duck, right. And all right, cool. That's a great, that's a fabulous photo. That's awesome. Right. But other than that, it's just a picture of a duck, man. At the end of the day, like when we're when we're going to shoot something, like we're showcasing a lifestyle that is combat waterfowl. Like this is not a hat, it's not a shirt, it's not a hoodie. It is who we are. And when you can showcase that in the way that we do, I think that it it has a different. It has it hits different, man. It one hundred percent does for me at least. Like I appreciate brands, I appreciate creators, I appreciate videographers that can showcase emotion in an otherwise emotionless 15 second TikTok. You know what I mean? Like when you take a video and you put a song to it, does that tell a story or does it, you know, and not everything has to tell a story. Some of it's humor or whatever, but in the moments that you're trying to, to, to get a message across, can you do that? I would say also too, I want to kind of throw this out there because I'm sure people are, going to wonder like, how do I do that? I would say you have to find in your core group, people that are willing to um, allow themselves to be videoed in a, a sense where they're in their natural uh, being. And that's hard to do. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with that, but you really have to be able to do it. And then you have to be able to find people in their natural being. If you're the one behind the camera. In their natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little too philosophical, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, Dylan, you kind of skirted the question a, a little bit. Uh, I, I want to hear what Dylan has to say. About which, uh, which, just, which point just in general or the. Yeah. Just in general, like where are you at with social media? Like where you know, you, you've chimed in a little bit here or there, but where is Dylan yeah. on the topic itself organically, social media? What's Dylan's stance? Yeah, so, uh, man, I, I, I think it's got its pros and its cons. Obviously, everything does. Um, as, you know, as you said, from a business standpoint or, you know, guide standpoint, it, it's it's a pro. Um, you can use your original content, you know, and keep it going. You know, it's definitely a pro. Um, you know, your cons are – once again, man, there's a lot of people that hate on people for, you know, not being the best or not killing things, you know, every time they go. Um, that also kind of opens the door to um, basically brands that start from not knowing anything about duck hunting to uh, you know, getting on social media and coming up with a brand and all of a sudden we're, you know, top, top in the business, you know, solely relying on, 
guided hunts and stuff like that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, granted, you know, do we go on there's some nothing wrong with it? <laughs> I mean, granted, we go on some guided hunts, but when when you claim to be, you know, one of the top and you know, through your Instagram, it looks like, you know, you kill ducks every time you go. And um in reality, that's not the case. And it's, you know, it's all guided. That's to, to me, that's a con. Like like y'all were talking about original originality, that's huge, man. It's, you know, when when you can stay in your own space and, and do your own thing and not have to rely on, like you said, you know, paying somebody, whether it's paying to go kill ducks or paying somebody to rep your stuff. Um but man, I think all in all, social media is a, a pro. Um, as far as growing the sport, granted, there's some, you know, some negative spaces in growing the sport. Um, I think, you know, with you said something about Doug Dynasty earlier, I I definitely agree that was definitely the start of where it kind of started. Um, you know, everybody, like you say, started buying decoys, started buying 13 calls from Walmart, and you know, especially for the public land guys, now you're battling or you're battling maybe three or four people to get, you know, out, you know, out of the boat slip to now you're battling 20, 30 every weekend. And, you know, you got people all over top of you, you know, everybody's blowing hail call from you know, one end of the sound to the other or wherever you're at. And uh, it, it introduced a lot of people to the sport for sure, but I think it might've happened too quick. Yeah. Um, and that's geographical, in my opinion. Um, I There are places that we go, there are states that we go to, where we don't really run into a lot of other people, a lot of, a, a lot of other hunters. And then, you know, here in this area, you can't pull in a boat ramp parking lot and find a spot if you're there past 3 o'clock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it has a lot to do with... And frankly, I don't understand that, you know, like, it's not like this is just some mecca of waterfowl hunting here in North Carolina. Yes, we have good seed up hunting, uh, scoters. Yes, we have good diver hunting. And, you know, if you can make it to the outer banks, which you really can't, you really can't do by yourself. You kind of, because of the way that the laws work, it's mostly yeah. locked down by guides, you know, but you make it out there. There's some, there's some good hunting for pintail and brant and, um, you know, other species that people consider a little bit, I guess, more desirable on a larger scale than say a surf scoter or a common scoter. Um, but I just don't understand, you know, I don't understand the, the, how I guess packed things are. And then the spectrum of knowledge across those, those people. And, you know, we have a responsibility in my opinion to guide those people and steer them down a better path. Uh, because I think that the more we more experienced or more seasoned hunters allow those hunters to unethically in some cases exist within this sport, the, the more issues it creates for us in the sport overall. Absolutely. I mean, you, you have, have those, those, you know, big name guys sharing content that, doesn't need to be shared and then you know all the the young minds think hey man that's funny let's that's this let's is cool it. to do like exactly. that's that's what they do these and then and then it's oh that it it bugs me man like it bugs me like you yeah, absolutely you have you have a brand and you have a platform where you know 
you are supposed to, well, it's not you're supposed to, there's nothing that says you're supposed to, but you should, as a proponent of the sport that you represent, that you pays your paycheck, you should want that to grow in a positive direction. And I'm sorry, smacking a goose in the face with a twisted pecan and posting that on your Instagram for a hundred and something thousand people to see isn't appropriate. I agree. And and there again, it all comes back to social media because, you know, he, they did it and uh, got a bunch of likes and views and comments about it. So now you have. And other people go and do one, it. You have a hundred thousand other people videoing it and thinking they're going to get a bunch of views. And now here we are smacking geese with cans and you've got a whole organization that's literally devoted to taking away what we're trying to do yeah basically yeah and you're giving these people i mean imagine a guy hope to god none of them people got that video i'm sure i'm sure they did because they watch us they watch hunting creators for opportunities to explore what we do i mean you think about what that kindle girl went through when she was hunting south africa you remember that Yeah. yeah God knows. I mean, she was getting death threats to her house and all kinds of shit, man. I mean, this all because she's an outdoors woman out here trying to do what she loves to do. I mean, imagine if if people were coming up here, you know, dropping death threats on our door for shooting ducks. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You're not helping. You're not giving anybody. You're not giving anybody a reason not to, to feel that way if you're allowing yourself to be portrayed in that manner. It's not cool, you know, like the ducks in the end of a gun barrel. Please don't do that shit. Like, don't do it. It's the most annoying thing in the world. It bothers me. I'm with you on that. You kind of, I'm, I kind of starstruck because you kind of stole my question. I, my question was going to be, do you think the way we portray the sport online has negatively affected us in the field? And, like, my take on, on it is yes, it has, because – for one, it's not very realistic. Um, what you can portray behind the camera is completely different than what goes into it. There, there are very few creators out there that are, are showing the guy that's, you know, working, you know, two, three jobs, whatever. He's got a trailer full of, you know, 30 dozen. Like, that. that's not show. We're not showing that, you know. Yeah, we're showing, you know, four guys coming out the trailer with, you know. <laughs> two, three dozen wrapped in each arm, putting them out. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Like you're you're kind of seeing the the level of uh, dedication it takes, but it it goes so much deeper than that. And a lot of people see that and they're like, yeah, I can make that happen. Well, it, it's really not, it it can be realistic, but it's not realistic in the same, same outlook. You know what I mean? Um, but the negativity, I think that's coming behind it on that spectrum um as far as an ethical standpoint we need to get better at at showcasing uh what we love and why we love it instead of let's make it funny real quick yes yes and no um i i fully agree with everything you said but the only thing that i i want to i guess add to from a different side is you know, like us popping out behind trees in the timber singing Young Dolph. I mean, it's just funny, man. You know, like the whole point of, I guess, not the whole point. One of the main messages that this brand is all about is about having fun and not being so serious all the time. And there's nothing in the world, you know, un- unethical about, uh, you know, 
singing a funny song in in the trees when the when the birds stop stop flying, you know. And and I don't think that doing those things are we going to catch hate for it? Yeah, absolutely. People are going to be like, yeah, this is what happens when you don't kill ducks. Yeah, you know what? The truth is, exactly. we didn't kill ducks. <laughs> exactly. right. but that, You're absolutely right, and that's okay. I said, but, but that, at the end of the day, we did this, and we had a blast doing it, and we did it all together, and we had a good time. I mean, it honestly portrays what's really like what really goes on. Like, yes, and that, that's it. Like, you can sit there and laugh at us all you want to. Like, man, obviously they didn't kill any ducks, but you can't tell me that you're not doing the same shit. If if you're not killing ducks, you, yeah. you're doing the same stuff with your buddies. You wait, you, asleep, you wait till he falls asleep. You wait till he falls asleep. Take the gun, shoot in the yeah, air. Exactly. Don't tell me you ain't done that. I know yeah. everybody can hear us. <laughs> I'm not saying necessarily those in general. What I'm saying is is the uh, actual unethical things. I mean, I, I am 100 in agreement. I think we need more of stuff like that. To be honest, like the the cutting up and the blind and stuff like that because i mean it really it does show a a better take on the sport and the the fun you can have i want to give you an example of something that we would do but we would i would never i would never video or showcase it happening you know there are times when you shoot a bird and the bird obviously uh for those of you there are people that listen to this podcast that, that, that don't duck hunt okay so bird comes back, dog delivers it to your hand, or you go out there and you pick it up. Bird's still alive. Obviously, you have to kill this bird. Most you got a few ways to do it. You can wring their neck. You can take a hypodermic needle and stick it in the back of his head. You can use a tool that they call a finisher, whatever. All these things exist, right? Well, then some people will just grab the bird by the body and bang it on the side of the boat, bang it on the side of a tree, do whatever. It's instantaneous, but is that something that you want to show on social media? Absolutely not. Because again, circling back, like you don't want to, you don't want to project the sport in a, in my opinion, barbaric light to give anti hunters any way to come against us. But it is something, it is a reality of what you, what you're doing. You know, you, you don't want to leave this bird alive and let, let this bird suffer, you know, but are you going to show that on, are you going to show that on social media? I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to showcase it on social media, but I'm also not going to, uh, if, if somebody wanted to have a conversation about it. Yeah. It, oh yeah, absolutely. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, uh, but I don't, I think that's one of those things that could be unspoken, like, because it like, truthfully, I don't expect everyone to have the, the demeanor or the even heart to say, all right, well, you know, I can go out there and I can shoot an animal. Right. Like it's, 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 presumptive us for them to say well you have to understand this this is our way of life you know what i mean like but it happens like and uh i just don't i, I agree with you I don't, I don't think you should show it but i mean i don't think you should stop it either you know what i mean yeah i think there's more good than bad on social media um as far as the sport goes but kind of along what we was talking about earlier like the people that are against it they pick up solely on the bad and that's just what gets portrayed and, and, you know, passed on and blown up. You know, the, the good never really gets blown up. It's always the bad. So I, I think, you know, I think in a way, yeah, it hurts, but, but I think majority there's, there's good on social media. So I want to, I kind of want to change gears. I want to talk about solely uh, user-based groups. We'll say Facebook, for example, where it's mostly um, 
text. It's not very um, dynamic, if you will. Do you think that those groups are helping or hurting the waterfowl community? Both. I see, I see some posts in those groups that are very fruitful. And I see, you know, I'll, I use it. I'll, I'll name, I, I know I said I wouldn't name drop anything in here, but there is a group called the waterfowlers and it's ran by a dude named bun. And that page is probably one of the most helpful groups of people. The people that are in that group genuinely care about the sport. Not saying the other groups that, that they don't, but they do a really good job of moderating the posts within that group. And they don't put up with people going in there and trash talking and being belittling people and stuff like that. So I, I really appreciate somebody who puts time into their, that that's his little, that's his little, you know, uh, piece of the internet, you know, and he, he fertilizes and waters that grass and he may, he keeps that, he keeps that sucker green. Um, and then there's other groups, uh, you know, that, that don't do that. And they allow, they allow all kinds of negative comments. I mean, we joke about it now, but you know, like, like the old uh, Skeeter pond thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> how many people, how many people bash those dudes? They had, they went in there on public land and had a banger, of a hunt and all people did was talk shit to him for what yeah. because he wears his hat funny and wears pit vipers man like come on dude so like i, I guess my question is here more like i personally think it's more negative um only because there's so many different uh negative may not be the word uh counterproductive is a better word like there's a like you go into a group um uh I, I won't name drop, but there's a couple groups that I'm a member of. If, and somebody will have a genuine question. It'll be a solid question. Um, and then you scroll through the comments and I'm, I get a little FBI on it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm genuinely curious, but like, hey, this guy's got this answer. Where is he from? Like, you know, I kind of want to look at it and see. And then you realize, like, this guy asked a question from one side of the country. And now this guy from the other side of the country is giving him a, a a tidbit of information yeah it may work but then you look below him and he's got 64 other responses that are completely different like this guy like he doesn't hunt probably enough to where he could implement all 64 things right like maybe I that could, was his fault though maybe he didn't ask specific enough of a question i could agree with that as well but like that like conversely though like is it really that beneficial and it's a i think it's more of like a, a self-looking thing and it's it's hard because a lot of people don't have you know kind of going back to you know being an effective funder they don't have a mentor where they can just gravitate off this one person two people three people they're gravitating off of a group of four thousand people on a group that all have varying varying experience levels um gear uh you know, resources that they can make things happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I, I do see when I think of negativity or, or anything like that, when I think of written social media and fa within Facebook groups, I think of people bashing other people for asking legitimate questions. Now I'm not talking about, you know, cyber scouting and stuff like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. you know, are there any, are there any ducks in the noose river? 
dumb question, man. I, I understand. I understand why you're asking that because you probably live in Raleigh and you're thinking like, should I drive two hours down here when I could just go on this group and ask? You know, that's the wrong thing to do because the people that do make that drive and do go out there and scout are going to be like, well, screw this guy, man. He just wants to, you know, get free information, you know, but the people that go in there and like ask like questions that are legitimate, you know, like how are you guys setting up your diver spreads for layout boats? And you'll see some comments on there like, uh, set the boat, throw the decoys. Yeah. Awesome yeah. job, man. Thank you so much for helping. This kid. <laughs> really? I really think this kid's going to go out into the world and be successful now. You know, like, why not just answer the dude's question? He didn't ask for your honey hole. He yeah. didn't ask for anything. You know, like, don't be a dick, man. Just try to help the dude out. I, I will agree with the the, the Skyward Scouting thing. It, it bothers me to an extent. Um, but then again, like, I mean, the the phone line works the same way. Like, if you're that vested and you're that interested, like, how many times have I picked up the phone and called you and said, hey, man, what, what's what's the, the 411? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but we're sharing information back and forth because we're equally invested into the sport. I, I agree with you completely. And that's that's kind of my point. Like, maybe you should go find somebody like that. But I, I see it all day long. You let one person have a, a banger. You let two people have a banger. And then, you know, the, the following day, the boat ramp looks like a fucking mess. Like, it is it is ridiculous man like and it, like i like speaking like when uh i forgot it was last year sometime I, I went down um pretty close to the noose and uh we hit i mean i had some good intel we get down there and i'm like why are there so many people here there's no way that this word got out like that you know there's birds around and stuff like that and i had done a little bit of scout myself and i was like you go and it's not 10 o'clock i pull it up on my phone and the day before somebody just loose lipped it and I'm okay with that. Like share your successes. But at the end of the day, like you have to realize that you're not probably going to have the same success that they had that day. So Cody yeah. is in a group of people that hunt up there in the James river, greater James river area, um, basically Southern and Eastern Southeast Virginia. Okay. The group that he hunts with up there, Number one, they never take a photo that depicts any sort of location. If there's a landmark in it, they won't take the photo. And the second thing is they don't post photos until after season. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the right answer. As a business, I can't do that. I don't have that luxury. If I never made a poster in duck season as a waterfowl brand, that would be – the dumbest decision in the in the world. Yeah. That'd be so stupid of us to do that. But I understand if you're trying, like if you're trying to safeguard your area or your location or whatever, then that's an option for you. Don't get mad. If you're out there posting, you know, a picture of a limit that you shot on the Noose River and, you know, the first thing that you feel like you need to do is run to a Facebook group and say, I had a blast out here on the Noose River today. Don't get mad when 15,000 other people decide to have the same idea. Yeah, that that's kind of off what I said, you know, earlier was, you know, everybody believes that if if they don't post it on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, then it didn't happen. And man, I, a lot of times I don't agree with that. You know, I, I kind of like the the aspect of, 
kind of holding off till a day or two later, you know, at, at least then post it up. I, honestly, man, I, I love to to be in a good spot and being productive and then seeing somebody like one or two people rolling in. Cause I want to go talk to him. I want to be like, well, what did you see that, you know, brought you over here? You know what I mean? Like, I think you could genuinely have a conversation with that person. They don't talk here though. It's like, yeah, you can't that, have those conversations great. with people here. Mm-hmm. You go, yeah. you remember, you remember when we went up to Michigan, we pulled in the parking lot and it's like the whole damn town. Medicine <laughs> yeah. boat. We got invited to like three people's houses for dinner. It was ridiculous. Dude, am it I wrong? Legitimately, like it legitimately happened. This dude was like, it, uh, like in a, a solid UP accent, was like, "Oh, I'm having some gumbo." Like, he, <laughs> like he yeah. genuinely wants us to come to his house, man. Like, yeah. but he was super ecstatic too because we opened up duck season for him for two more weeks. Like, yeah, we paid the path out there, but it, you know, I'm just saying, like, it depends on where you're at. It's yeah. definitely not that way on on the East Coast of North Carolina. I can promise Absolutely you. Absolutely not. You, you I start asking it. people where they're hunting and, and stuff like that, and you're going to come back to slash tires at the boat ramp. Yeah, I was going to say you might that's find how it is. in your tires. For that, that's how it is. I will say, though, on like a, a a positive impact, when we are hunting in North Carolina and more people see us and, you know, we kind of strip down and, you know, we're all swagged out, uh, more people genuinely talk to us and it's a good conversation. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. that. Like, I, I agree. I mean, I, and I'm not sitting here telling you that every guide or every, you know, local is going to slash your tire. You know, don't, don't get me, you know, I'm not, not trying to say that, but there are quite, quite a few that, that will. And don't have, mess around down around Cedar Island. You'll find out. <laughs> I mean, I, I know last year there was blinds cut down and burned down and, and hatters and just cause it's competition. I mean, yeah. so, somebody came, came to his blind and it was chopped off at the, at the water and the blind was floating, you know, I'll, I'll burn up. Well, a couple, couple of years ago, uh, one of the guys out there in the course sound had all his decoys stolen, you know, um, there's been corn dumped in front of guys blinds. There's been, I mean, all kinds of stuff to try to keep other people out, you know, uh, blind, like you said, blinds burned to the ground, you know, boat ramp, you know, people messing with people's vehicles at a boat ramp. Um, big time C duck guy in Massachusetts was chasing around some some boys that just because they were up there hunting from out of state. Just for oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got he got arrested too, didn't he? I don't know. I, I don't know if he got arrested or not. I know I so I was going up there in, in New England freelance and I was gonna be in the similar area to where he hunts at. So as a courtesy, I called him and basically said, Hey bud, like I'm gonna be in this area. You know, I'm hunting freelancing by myself. You know, I've got three guys with me. I'm going to hunt this area. What kind of boat you got? I was like, I've got a 24-foot skiff. He's like, you're going to you're gonna fucking die up here. You best stay your ass in North Carolina. I said, all due respect, sir, I hope you have a successful hunt. We'll see you out there. And What's I never did run into him. But, I mean, he was just being a total dick. He was completely rude to me for no reason. And, you know, um, I understand, I understand, man, like, that's his business. I wasn't going up there to take any of his business away. I was trying to be courteous and like give him the respect of like, this is where I'm hunting. If this is where you're hunting, I will go somewhere else, you know? And he saw that as a disrespect, you know? Um, I don't, I don't understand how, but I guess it's just people from new England. I reckon no offense. Yeah. To, you know. 
So like changing gears a little bit, what would you guys say is the, um, the best way to manage your expectations on social media? Humility. Stay, stay and try to stay as humble as you can, you can be. Because to be humble is to be realistic, in my opinion, you know, just like us standing out out there showcasing some stupid shit when we're not shooting birds. To me, that's realistic. Absolutely. I, I agree. Like, I think this, the stupid shit, you know, that happens in the blind while it's a, a lull or, um, you know, like the, the preseason prep, whether it's painting your boat or, you know, building blinds, brushing blinds, planting corn, doing whatever. I, th I think that's important in an aspect. I mean, everybody just posts the meat and potatoes. Um, you know, it's, it's always just ducks. Um, I, I like to see, you know, the the Colton Kerrs and the Tony Vandemores, you know, all the, all the setup that, that takes place prior to killing. I mean, I love seeing the killing, but I just enjoy the – I enjoy it all. I mean, it really shows the aspect of, of the whole thing. It's not just the one part of the sport, you know, that's killing. I mean, there's a lot more to it than just – shooting ducks or geese There's a lot of people that talk shit on tony and habitat flats and all that too and they have no idea oh i know <laughs> how much goes into that place man that dude works his ass off like yeah. oh absolutely <laughs> and it, that's i think that's like a like i've always appreciated it because it's it's real like that's 100 percent. that's him and, that, like, and that's what like i'm saying him. like like most people just post that the meat and potatoes are just killing ducks, and that's not it. Like, there's far more that goes into it than just shooting a duck and posting a picture on Instagram. He posted a video the other day about cleaning out his radiator, and I was like, genuinely, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. At the end of it, I remember in my head, I was like, why did I just watch him clean out his radiator? But then, like, I, yeah. I, they reversed it, but I had a good thought. I was like, man, I just, I really appreciate how much work he puts into it. Not only yeah. that, man, he showcases his kids. Um, you know, clients and, and just really what he's created. Like that's, yeah. that's a, a, a amazing feat, I think, because everything's a story all year long is a story for him. Yeah. Which is super cool. Um, you know, I, Dylan's done a whole lot more of that um, commercialized prep work. Obviously I spend most of my time hunting public land. So the amount of prep work that you do for, I guess, propagation of your season is very limited. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be going out and planning anything in public land. You're not. Um, um, but, you know, I appreciate all that goes into it. I, you've been preparing for bear season the last little yeah. bit. Yeah, um, we started a few weeks ago for bear. Getting out, uh, getting out plots and putting up cameras and all that stuff. And, and that's all the work that the client doesn't see. They, which, you know, to be fair, I don't really know that, that they should. I think they should have an idea about it, but they, that's not their responsibility. They're paying you for a service and you're providing that. Correct. Um, I agree. But when people, when people complain about the prices of things, they don't know how many gallons of gas were burnt in that tractor, or how many gallons of diesel were yeah. burnt in that tractor all year either. Yeah. That, the, the seeds and the chemicals and the, the time and fuel, man, all, all that adds up quick. quick oh yeah. Quick especially with uncle Joe, but I, I mean, I, I was going to, I was going to touch on that as well. I mean, you posted a video the other week about on TikTok about, you know, bear prep and all that. Mm -hmm. I was genuinely impressed, man. Like it was and a that, solid video. And we were just impressed that he was working. <laughs> yeah. 
that seems to be the general consensus. <laughs> and there's a lot, it's a lot that goes into it. And that was, man. And uh, the, the other two boys that, that work there, they, they've been busting their ass every day. You know, I'm just there on my off days, but that I, I can't. Uh, he even uh, had a little sweat on his brow. You saw that? I know I that doesn't happen that. often. No, <laughs> doesn't happen often. He was like, sitting there with a water bottle. <laughs> So, yeah, nice. like on, on a another standpoint, I don't know what you. I, I, I'm assuming you shot it on your phone. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like, and I thought it was that iPhone you know, 37. <laughs> iPhone 37. Uh, I thought it was done well. You know, going back to you know, if you know what you're doing in the right hands, like it didn't take you long to figure out how to do that. And yeah. I thought that it was, you know, I thought it was really good. Um, so, like, it doesn't have to be super fancy either. Right. One thing that really bothers me, and I know you probably know exactly what I'm about to say right now, tailgate pictures. Jesus Christ, here we go. I I posted that one the other day on the Gunners page specifically for you. <laughs> I, went, I, yeah, I posted I know. specifically I know. for you. I wanted I to see the piles, but I I chose that one as as the cover said the cover photo just just for you. So when I saw it, I was like, oh boy, here we go, <laughs> dude. They will, man, take pride in your hunt. The people that are out there listening, like take pride in what you do, man. Like I remember when this brand first started, like the first year or two, and, you know, there weren't a ton of gunners out there and you would have, you know, gunners that just, you know, like drop a pile of birds, like on a tailgate put a hat on top of them and take a picture. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't use this. I'm not yeah. posting this. Not saying that it's got to be perfect or whatever, but like, I mean, just pick one and just kind of hold it up and just boom. Like even that would be better than like dropping <laughs> it on a tailgate next to like 15 empty bush light cans and, uh, you know, 15 McDonald's bags and all this other shit. Just, I don't know, man. Like, there, there's a method to hold that one duck up where you get the perfect picture. You just got to, uh, yeah, gotta you got the right angle for it. You got to set it, set it right there, and and hold it on out there. All nice little, little cute the wing hanging off a little bit. Yeah, use your middle finger to hold his wing down. And spread yeah, that's right. There's a yeah. There's definitely a method. All I'm saying, man, is there's a way to go about it, and there's a way to not go about it. And Agreed. you know, you're not you're not helping the sport or helping anybody by taking that those kind of photos that's my opinion you know and the other part about it is it's like you can take a really like shallow cut photo where it's i mean if you're worried about your spot or wherever you're at you know what i mean like but showcase where you're at as well you know something special about it you know what i mean like i was super stoked in arkansas when we had that tractor oh i've never seen anything like that in my life dude i was that big old tractor on tracks dude it was just like dude this thing is perfect like straight background like, yeah. that's terrible you can't see it but that's that's the background yeah, yeah I mean, so, that, like that, like yeah let's go put all these specs on it yeah <laughs> and it looked kind of like decrepit and i don't know man i thought it was super dope but you know find things like they, that they limit right do i they raise the limit it's three is it really oh bet oh bet <laughs> no november's gonna get weird mm. i'm like here it. for it I like it. So I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm still not happy about uh, the C-Dump limit in North Carolina. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's talk about that. Now you open, you opened it up. So we'll about. All right. So Dude, I was so mad yesterday when I, texted I told you, because I told I, you, you mentioned something about it a while back and I just kind of like shrugged it off. Like they're not going to take my bonus birds away. Like, yeah, yeah it happened. They took special C duck away and they, uh, and they dropped it from four, four scoters to three and well, three, three of no more than three of any C duck species. Uh, yeah. But they group both the surf and the commons go together. So it's not like you shoot, hmm. you know, three surfs in one common. Right. No, no more than three scoters, period. Um, and I know I understand why they did it. Because for the last several years, we haven't had huge numbers of bluebills. And then they changed they changed the, the limit on bluebill. So what did the guides go do? What they could do to have they put birds in their boat. They went up. And they beat the hell out of sea ducks from November to January. When they get here, they don't really leave. So every single day, six days a week, these guys are going out here and just hammering, hammering, hammering these sea ducks. They were hammering them hard last year. Oh, absolutely. The past two or three years, they've been beating the hell out of them. And I don't, I don't disagree with getting rid of the spell. Why would you, if you're, you're already beating up on them like they, like you are. Why would you allow sea ducks to be harvested with between the splits to allow them to get beat up on even more? I mean, I, I, no, fair enough. As, as much as ducks, I, I agree. It makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, from a conservation standpoint, it completely makes sense. But I'd be mad if I was, you know, I'd be mad if I was an individual, I guess, more so. Like, if you're a guide, people are still going to pay to go shoot their three birds. I don't think one, I don't think going from four to three for a client paying a, a guide service is really going to be all that effective. I don't think it's really going to change that much. Um, I, I don't think still, so either. You can still shoot your one bluebill and then, you know, you're, you're more than likely to fill out, you know, the rest of your birds with bufflehead um, or, you know, a redhead or whatever. But um, I, I just, dude, I, I fully support the lowering of the scoter limit. I fully support that. I just don't like getting rid of like the special season, man. That was like the bridge for me. Like I could still get out and do what I wanted to do. And I mean, I guess it opens up other opportunities though. I'll say that. Like it opens yeah. up other opportunities. Opens the opportunity for us to go somewhere else. Um, yeah. Go somewhere else or scout a little bit more, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's just – but I understand why they did it, and I don't disagree with why they did it. I, I do so. kind of disagree with – I do kind of disagree with the pintail limit. I'll be real. I don't think they need to be – I don't think it needs to be six by any means. No. <laughs> but no, I, I, I do think that, you know, it should probably be like three. I think you can get away with three. You know? Because there's not, I mean, even still, on the days like you said, on uh, Dylan, on there's some days that they work and they just do it, and then there's other days you can't. I mean, you couldn't pay one to come anywhere near. Absolutely, and, and, and most of the time that that's that's how it is. It's you watch them circle twenty five times a mile high, and they'll get just out of range, and then something, God knows what something will happen. They'll just leave. I mean, they might not even flare. They just roll out. Most of the time, that's how it is with a pintail. But you have those days where 
you you can't beat them out of the decoys. Like I've we've been standing up in blinds taking videos of them landing decoys, you know, 10, 15 yards, just like it's cool. But I think you'd get away with three, two or three at least. Yeah. I uh I'll tell you one thing, one thing that that I also think needs to change. And honestly, it's the 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 way that the North Carolina, like the state, manages the habitat. You know, you go, we have impoundments, right? And and this isn't, you know, hope hopefully the the Wildlife Resources Commission doesn't get too mad at me when I when I say this, but we have impoundments that are permit impoundments, but they're called impoundments, but there's really not like a huge effort. And if there is a lot of effort, there's not a lot of success in maintaining food sources within those public impoundments. I feel like a lot of other states do a lot better job of providing quality public hunting opportunities than North Carolina does. And that's my opinion. And in a state where we are dominated with private impoundments, I feel like it definitely affects the common hunter. The common hunter cannot afford to pay $250 to $300 a day to go hunt <laughs> private you, corn impoundment you, you better check them oh. prices my friend <laughs> sorry Kai, they Kai have started. they have shot up so it's not 250 300 a day anymore i know quite a few in hyde county that are six a day per per gun per gun six per gun not not six per blind six per gun Bro, that's a hundred dollars a duck <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Bro. but yeah i i agree i meant so being on the you know in, impoundment side, there there's a method to it, and and a lot of people try to skimp, and the state is one of them that try to skimp out of it. You can buy, or you can even get donated wildlife corn that's just cheap corn that you know the the stock might is you know little. So the first time the wind blows blows it all over, or you know they, they don't spray it, so all the grass grows up and chokes it out. Um, I, I definitely think they could put more into it. Um. But, but yeah, the, the prices of private impoundment hunts now are through the roof. And that, that's the other problem is now you have people that are buying every square inch they can buy, you know, Hyde County, you know, stretching out now to Terrell County, um, that they're just building a, you know, a dike around a field and calling an impoundment and leasing it out for twenty five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to somebody when that's not the amount of work they put into it. Mm. I mean, it's, if if you got land in Hyde County now, you know, you got something that you can build an impound on, because because people are buying that that stuff up quick. But man, there there's very few people that do it right, but the ones that do it right, they're they're thriving in that industry. But well, it's uh that I think it's a good time to lead into what we're going to be talking about next week, uh, because that that's exactly exactly kind of the direction we're going to go next week. We will. Uh, we're going to have Nick Hofford. I'll call him one of the Wizards of Washington. Uh, he is a manager for a very successful duck club, full-time manager all year round. That's what he does. Um, I, I talked to him yesterday about coming on the podcast. He was literally pushing a new hole with a bulldozer as I was talking to him. <laughs> um, so I, Nick's, a, uh, Nick's a, a wealth of knowledge in, in that industry, and I think, uh, Dylan, that, that you and him will have a lot to talk about yeah, um, and you'll be able to kind of round out some of the ways that you know you guys do things similarly and differently, being in different flyways. 
So um, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That should be good. Yes, sir. Drib, you got anything else, brother? Nah, man, I'm looking forward to next week. It's a it's an area that I'm not versed in, and uh, I would like to understand more um, about. And I think it, it even if you know it's it's not someone that's looking to build a you know an impoundment or whatever, they can at least start to understand a little bit more about food sources and you know how to what to look for and why. So I think okay. that wraps it up this week, fellas. Um, if you would, please leave us a review. Uh, five stars being the best, of course. Uh, if it's three stars, make sure you add Robert's name to it and tell him to shut up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it, fellas, and I look forward to uh, speaking with Nick next week. All right. Peace out, y'all. We'll see y'all.